BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The Motor Racing Network presents an MRN original podcast series. Have a look at Jeff Gordon. He's starting to close the gap. Jeff Gordon, the colorful career of the Rainbow Warrior. I don't look at him as grown-ups when I'm out there. I just look at him as competitors. What a big day for young Jeff Gordon and the Bill Davis Racing Team. This is uh, the biggest dream come true for me ever. Jeff Gordon is leader. Earnhardt is second. Sorry, bud, but Jeff Gordon, he's just a better driver than you are. Jeff Gordon holds off a last lap charge by Jeff Burton and wins the Winston Million. He won those championships. He revolutionized the sport. They're side by side on quarter number four. Gordon leans on Jimmy Johnson coming down to the line. People can see there definitely was a change in our relationship. From the Motor Racing Network studios in Concord, North Carolina, here's your host. Brian Nelson. Welcome back to MRN Presents Jeff Gordon, the colorful career of the Rainbow Warrior. I'm Brian Nelson. With the 1995 championship under their belts, Jeff Gordon and crew chief Ray Everham eyed the 1996 season with anticipation. But Gordon on the Motor Racing Network's NASCAR Live program warned against complacency. You know, just because we won one championship doesn't mean that next year we're going to go out there and dominate and and be where we were this year. It's just as hard to keep those guys together and to, to try to go out there and win another one and win your second one. And I think that's what we try to do now is stay focused. Don't let this one go to our head because we can be easily humbled uh, in this sport. Meanwhile, team owner Rick Hendrick hoped to replicate some of the 24-team success with Ken Schrader's struggling 25-team. Hendrick named Ray Everham manager for both teams, hoping to get Schrader back to victory lane for the first time since 1991. And Jeff Gordon believed the whole organization could benefit. Yeah, you know, I think it, it is going to be interesting. And, and uh, Ray Abraham and I talked about it uh, a while back. And, uh, you know, he asked my opinion on it. And when we talked about it for a while, I said, you know, this sounds like a really good idea. I think it sounds good not only for our, our team. Uh, I think it, it's 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 going to benefit all of us at Hendrick Motorsports. But, uh, you know, certainly it's going to help out Kenny also. And, you know, it's something that Ray wanted to do, uh, and and so when he when he had that much heart into it and that much desire to want to do that, uh, it's only going to help both teams, if not all three teams, uh, at Hendrick Motorsports. So I'm really I'm pretty excited about it, actually. I, I think that we're going to learn uh, a lot next year, and we're going to be able to do it, you know, even closer with all the teams. And, uh, you know, we we know what it's like to run for a championship now, and uh, now that's got to be our goal every year. The 96 season didn't begin well for the Rainbow Warriors. Despite an eighth-place start in the Daytona 500, Gordon found himself behind the wall after a crash just 14 laps in. Well, Jeff Gordon sitting in his brightly colored Chevrolet. Jeff, not the way you wanted to start 96 off. Could you tell what happened? I really don't know what happened. It was just real tight out there, and uh, the car was... The car's plenty fast enough. Uh, we're just trying to wait for those lines to stop moving around and, and get some single-file race so we can start passing some guys. But, uh, you know, trying to be patient and, 
and you get out there and I don't know we're, we kept getting three wide everybody was three wide and it was pretty good though everybody was doing good and I don't know I got three wide there and got clipped from behind you just talked to Ray Evernham his assessment of the damage of the car is it too soon to tell uh, it's pretty bad I mean uh, I tried to save it and uh, if I would just maybe turn left and stood on the brakes I might have less damage than trying to correct it I, I got the right front of the wall pretty bad and that brought around the right rear so I, I don't know it's real bad that's the word from Jeff Gordon. The damage heavily uh, damaged on the right side of the automobile. Like an orchestra, every member of the team knows exactly what his position is. Coming in, making repairs to the car, hopes to get the 95 champion back on the track. He finished 42nd in the Great American Race, and things didn't get much better the following week in Rockingham. An engine issue ended the day early for the DuPont Chevy after 134 of 393 laps. The reigning champ was 43rd in the standings two weeks into the season, but Ray Everham insisted the team didn't hang their heads. The good part about that team is we used to meet and discuss things realistically. What could we have controlled? What can't we control? I know at Daytona, we just didn't do a good job, um, and we started in the back of the qualifying deal or whatever, which some, somehow, we got, somehow we got off base and then crashed early in the 500 us out um and then i don't know what happened to rockingham whether we blew up or what but you know we honestly looked at okay what are we responsible for what can't we control and knowing that that we were we still were had good stuff and fast cars and we would just go at it those guys didn't get down jeff didn't get down you know we always looked at the positive like yeah we screwed up this week here's what we're doing to make sure that doesn't happen again this is where I went wrong. This is where you went wrong. Okay, let's move on. And I think that that closure that we used to bring every Tuesday uh, was important to the growth of that team. The rebound began the very next race, a win at Rockingham, followed by a third-place finish in Atlanta, setting up a return to Darlington, where the Rainbow Warriors had tamed the Lady in Black the last time they visited. A final runoff of turn number four if the fuel will hold up and Jeff Gordon will score his second straight win at Darlington Raceway. Here he comes off the corner. He can coast home now. And for the 11th time in his NASCAR Winston Cup Series career, Jeff Gordon is a winner. Gordon wins the Trans-South 400 over Bobby Labonte, second. Ricky Craven, who will come home in third. Rusty Wallace coasts across the line out of gas in fourth. And Terry Labonte will finish fifth. Ray Evernham and the Rainbow Warriors had a scare there, Jim Phillips but they're going to go to victory lane. Well, they did, Ray. When I asked you about the fuel, you said, man, I hope we can make it. Yeah, you did. Yeah, we did. And, uh, you know, I got to remember to thank God first for letting us to do this. And uh, Jeff Gordon, these Rainbow Warriors, Rick Hendrick, everybody, you know, it, uh, they make me look awful good. But I got to tell you, these guys work. And I believe we got the best race car driver to come along in a long time. And they did a heck of a job. All the guys back at the motor shop and uh, everybody that builds these cars for us, uh, they make us look awful good, and we sure appreciate it. Before the six-race hot streak came to an end with a crash at Talladega, Jeff Gordon, Ray Everham, and the 24 team surged to second place in the standings, reeling off three wins with no finishes worse than third. Talladega proved to be just a bump in the road as Gordon surged again with another six-race streak that produced four poles and two more wins, his second straight at Dover and his first ever at Pocono. 
Evernham said solid runs at tough tracks became a trademark for the Rainbow Warriors. Darlington is one of those tracks. Pocono is one of those tracks. Wilkesboro used to be one of those tracks. You know, wherever there was a difficulty factor, and there's certain tracks on the circuit that have a, have a higher difficulty factor than others, I knew we had an advantage because I could count on Jeff to get it done. I just I just knew he could outdrive everybody and I knew I could build a car you know whether it was the things I was doing with shocks or springs or geometry or some of the things that we had uh, resources at Hendrick with guys like Rex Stump and Gary Aker and the engineering force at Hendrick to support the crew chiefs Uh, you know and then I knew I had the best pit crew in the business so any place that there was a difficulty factor or something that could throw the other teams off we always felt like we had an advantage. An ignition issue at Loudoun and a crash at Indianapolis were sandwiched around Gordon's first win at Talladega. From there, another huge streak saw four more trips to victory lane, including a milestone win at North Wilkesboro. For his fourth win in the last five races and for the final checkered flag at the North Wilkesboro Speedway in a NASCAR Winston Cup race, Jeff Gordon wins the Tyson Holly Farms 400, one second over Dale Earnhardt. Dale Jarrett will finish third, Jeff Burton will finish fourth, and Terry Labonte fifth. And what an awesome run the DuPont team is on of late as Jim Phillips joins them on pit road. Well, Ray Everett, looked like last week. You paced yourself, saved the best for last, and went on to the house. I'll tell you, you know, I, I got to thank God first like I always do, but I've wore his ear out here lately. Um, you know, I just I can't say enough about Jeff Gordon and, and uh, these guys especially. I am, I'm probably the luckiest guy in the world just to be part of this deal, but everybody gives 100%, and, and again, thank God things are going our way, but they're just, what a great team. And, uh, I mean, the credit's got to go to them. Gordon had edged in front of teammate Terry Labonte, setting up a four-race battle for the championship. The next event at Charlotte Motor Speedway proved to be decisive. Labonte won, while Gordon struggled with an engine issue and came home 31st. Jeff's 111-point lead was cut down to just one. Labonte would take over the top spot the following week in Rockingham and hang on to win the 1996 championship. In the end, 10 wins were not enough for Jeff Gordon, and Ray Evernham said the team had no one to blame but themselves. In 96, our Achilles heels were caused by us. People weren't beating us, we were beating ourselves. You know, and we were, you know, our, our restrictor plate program wasn't great, and we made some mistakes. And, you know, even though, you know, Terry won the championship, but we beat him all, all year long, and we caused our own problems. We made a mistake with a tire set at Rockingham. We made an engine change at Charlotte against um, the recommendations of Randy Dorton, and then the engine we put in failed. So, like, all these things we could sit there and blame on everybody else, but we realized we were beating ourselves. The disappointment of 1996 led to a renewed commitment for Evernham to leave no stone unturned in his quest to return to championship form the following year. I took uh, some off time during the 90, you know, 96, 97, get ready for Daytona, and, and it was kind of crazy. But I said, I'm, I went to a drag racing school. And there I got to hang out with Jim Yates and some guys like that and talked about a lot of different things small like you, you talk about a tenth of a second with a drag racer he's like oh my god you know like that's that's you know wow and and i started to uh, to really think about small things small detail more because of that school and i just knew that in 97 we were going to fix our restrictor plate program and we were going to win the championship the first opportunity to make a statement came at the 1997 daytona 500 but the organization opened speed weeks under a cloud as team owner rick hendrick announced he had been diagnosed with leukemia. 
When Jeff Gordon asked what he could do to help, Hendrick told him to go try to win the 500 and a championship. A wild crash with 12 laps to go in the Daytona 500 jumbled the field, leaving three Hendrick cars behind leader Bill Elliott. Gordon and Labonte went high, then low around Elliott, with new teammate Ricky Craven slipping by before another big wreck forced the race to end under caution. Jeff Gordon following the pace car up in turn four in front of Fred Armstrong. Jeff Gordon sits at the bottom of the racetrack with Terry Labonte right behind Ricky Craven. What a comeback to head to third, and as they come through this area of the racetrack now strewn with a little bit of metal still, tire tracks all over the place, Jeff Gordon begins to receive the ovation from the turn four grandstands as he slips off the corner and heads down the short straightaway and back to the checkered flag of the Daytona 500. Jeff Gordon swinging down right now. NASCAR do it, did everything they could to get this one back. Just no way to do it with the track in the condition it is. And here comes Jeff Gordon down to the line to win the Daytona 500. Am I here? Is this, is this happening? This is awesome. I tell you what, you know, we won the Brickyard in 94 and uh, I thought that no moment could ever, uh, you know, pass that one up. But, uh, you know, th this one has. Uh, I think, you know, I know it's only my fifth season in Winston Cup, but each year I appreciate this race more and more every day. And uh, I tell you what, I'm so happy. This one was for Rick Hendrick. And, I mean, what a way to do it. One, two, three, Hendrick. And I couldn't have done it without those guys. That was teamwork out there, right, you know, out there on, on the racetrack there at the end. You look back at that stuff, and it's almost surreal when you think about it. That was one of the jewels that we were missing. We should have won the 500 in uh, 95, and we dropped the car off the jack in the pits. And, and really, you know, uh, again, we, we felt like we had the best car. And uh, that was kind of a defining moment, too, because I think it brought the team together. But to go back and win it in, uh, in 97 after we had done so miserably in 96, it was like, look, this is the Daytona 500. This obviously, when you're a stock car racer, this is the biggest stock car race you can win. I mean, we'd won Indy, but Indy was different because it's Indy. But Daytona is still the mecca of stock car racing. And when you go through that tunnel at Daytona, it's no different than going through Gasoline Alley at Indy. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a responsibility that you have when you get to Daytona to be, to be a champion, to be. And, you know, when we finally, when we got that Daytona 500, it was, uh, it was a huge feeling of accomplishment of that day. For Hendrick, it was good medicine. They run one, two, three and you know, it gave you, uh, when you're going through chemo treatment, you're you, know, you almost have to kill you to try to fix you, you know and so being that sick that really pumped me up and uh, and to have uh, Bill France call me after the race and congratulate us, it was it was special. It was only the beginning of another huge year for Gordon and Evernham. They won the next race at Rockingham and won four of the first eight overall that season. Stumbles in Atlanta and Texas kept the Rainbow Warriors just out of the top spot in the standings, but by the time the All-Star Week rolled around at Charlotte Motor Speedway, Evernham said the Jurassic Park-themed car was a little different. That car was the idea of Mr. Hendrick. And he used to have meetings. I can't remember when we had our meetings, if they were Mondays or Tuesdays. But we had a brilliant engineer there, Rex Stump, who I still owe so much to, and another aerodynamicist named Gary Aker, who has the wind tunnel over in Mooresville, um, Aerodyne. And we had those two guys, smart guys. And Mr. Hendricks said, 
it's time for us to develop a new car. I want the crew chiefs to give all of their ideas to Rex and to Gary and let them develop a car. And they came up with a car and, you know, it wasn't called T-Rex. It was just a, it was just a white test car. And it just, it was a stiff chassis and it, it just didn't, just didn't perform like what we wanted with our setups and with our tires and, and things. And we took it to Texas and I forget Gary and, and uh, D Hart and Terry took it a couple places and Ken house took it with, with, uh, um, I guess Schrader at that time, uh, and they, they, you know, they just weren't good. And so we took it over to Charlotte, and it wasn't, you know, it was still just a test car. And we were playing with it one day, and Charlotte gets really, Charlotte gets really wicked after lunch. From about lunchtime to 4 o'clock, I don't care what you're running, it's tough over there. So I said, let's play with uh, this test car. And we, you know, Jeff's like, eh, took it out but I had the same setup in it that I had it in one of the cars that we really loved called Blacker and we we went out and around and he's like it's, he said there's something there but I don't know what it is I was like let me try some crazy things here and I had some ideas about things I had talked to Rex and to Gary about and and it being more like my modified like my NASCAR modifieds were just different you know they're stiffer and so we honestly put kind of a modified based setup in it and some I don't know whether accidentally or purposely came up with the, that what kind of what they run now nose real low bigger sway bar back end up in the air and Jeff went out and ran like a second faster with it and we decided to bring it back and then he made the deal we were gonna uh, wrap another car in the Jurassic Park deal so we ended up taking that car back wrapped as Jurassic Park but it had a big Tyrannosaurus Rex on the front and since it was designed by Rex Stump well the car became T-Rex but T-Rex could have just been a a whole nother car but but that car again I I can take the credit for finding the setup that made the the magic uh, happen I think that the Jeff Gordon had anybody else been driving that car but him that night because he was in one of his moods and he just decided he was going to whoop everybody. And when he, when he took off in that last 10 lapper, what upset the crowd, the uh, crowds of car owners and NASCAR the most is Jeff ran laps almost a second faster than the field. And it was, uh, it was incredible. But that car was uh, Mr. Hendrick's vision uh, above all of us. After dominating the Winston, NASCAR told Evernham to never use that T-Rex car again. To this day, he insists the car was legal. At that time, NASCAR inspectors came over and checked it while we were building it. And so one of the things that that they did was stay in lockstep with the rule book and ask. They told NASCAR that we were developing whatever, and I'm not sure if it was Gary Nelson himself or one of his engineers or, or or inspectors at that time but nascar had seen that car two or three times before we ever took it to the racetrack so we were 100 percent sure that it was a, approved and that car was 100 percent legal by every single thing in that rule book undaunted by the loss of the car on the racetrack the 24 team then came back the following weekend to win the Coca-Cola 600 and three of the next five races to take the points lead. Milestone victories were becoming a trademark of the 24 team. They got another chance at Darlington. Title sponsor Winston had put up a million-dollar bonus to the team that could win three of the sport's so-called Big Four races. The Southern 500 at Darlington provided Gordon and Evernham their shot at the huge payday. 
The following is a presentation of MRN Radio, the voice of NASCAR racing. Today, for the fifth time, a NASCAR driver enters the Mountain Dew Southern 500 at Darlington with a chance to win the Winston Million Dollar Bonus. One million dollars for victories in three of the sport's four crown jewel events during the same season. Jeff Gordon is the driver who can claim the million today and as winner of last year's race and three of the last four Darlington events would appear to have good odds of cashing in. But Gordon knows a tough field of competitors and tricky old Darlington Raceway are formidable obstacles to overcome. I feel like we've got to have a perfect race to win um, in a perfect race car. And I have to be on my game as, as best I've ever been. I've got to do the same things that we've done to win those other three races. And that's know when to be aggressive and, and when to be patient. Jeff Gordon tries for the Winston Million in the 47th running of the sport's oldest super speedway race, the Mountain Dew Southern 500. Next. White flag this time by one more lap around. Burton goes to the inside. They touch. They bump. They head for turn number one. Trading sheet metal. Sparks fly side by side coming into the corner, but Gordon drives in faster. He still hangs on to the top spot, but Burton is there off turn two. Now for the final time off turn two. Can Jeff Burton do anything with Jeff Gordon? Gordon moves over to block. Burton's not close enough to mount a charge. Coming back into turn three. Jeff Gordon down to the inside. Heading for $1 million off turn four. Gordon slides wide in the corner. Here's Burton going to make one final run off the corner. Burton looks down to the inside. He'll not be able to do it. Jeff Gordon holds off a last lap charge by Jeff Burton and wins the Mountain Dew Southern 500. And Jeff Gordon wins the Winston Million. And now he and Jeff Burton bang together after the checkered flag over in turn number two after the heavy contact when they came to the white flag. All's fair in love and war. You're ready for that kind of running for that kind of money. You kind of expected the sparks to fly. I'll tell you, it's been a long time since we've seen that kind of finish at Darlington or anywhere else in this business. Let's go to victory lane now and hear for the first man to win the Southern 500 for three consecutive years. Jim Phillips is with Jeff Gordon. This is just an incredible, unbelievable day. I really never thought anybody could ever win this million again, let alone three Southern 500s in a row. row. That is awesome. I want to thank Mountain Dew and Pepsi for putting this uh, great event on. And I tell you what, I'm just, I'm just, oh my, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Despite the dominating season they were having, Everham says it wasn't as easy as it may have seemed. <laughs> well, that, that was a tough one for us because we built a car to go there, and we went and tested, and, and we just didn't like it. And we brought it home, and uh, back then you could test a lot, and I think we tested just a week before the race. And we had to come home and cut it up. I cut snout off it, cut body. We did all this stuff. We worked, and we took it back there. And I think we were quick with it on short runs, but we weren't quick on long runs. And we, were, we knew we weren't have a really great car. We had about a fifth-place car. And we started that race, and those guys worked, and Jeff drove. And we made, like, 16 pit stops, spring rubbers in, spring rubbers out, hook up the sway bar in the back, take the sway bar out, track bar up, track bar down. We pitted so many times that I think the 5 car or the 25 was out of the race, and we had to go take tires and their nitrogen bottles (laughs) to, to finish our pit stops. And Jeff drove his butt off, like, just all day long. And then we're, we're like, with a lap and a half to go, we think we're going to breathe this thing. We're going to win a million bucks. And here comes Jeff Burton, you know, and he almost passes them. And then they're, they're like crashing in front of us, and we don't know who comes back around. Jeff, Jeff wins the race, and I just remember being so exhausted that day and watching him so exhausted in, in victory lane and, and watching the guys with the million-dollar bills coming down and everything like that and thinking this day is really a um, – a key 
day, a defining day for the 2014, because as a team that day, we beat the best at the toughest track and won a million-dollar bonus with all of the extra media pressure on us and everything with a fifth-place car. From there, the Rainbow Warriors never looked back and never lost the points lead over the final 10 races. Evernham says back-to-back 10-win seasons provided some valuable lessons to the team. In 95, we, we probably shouldn't have won it, and we almost gave it away towards the end. 96, we didn't win it because we did give it away towards the end. 97, we won 10 races again and almost lost it. Dale Jarrett almost beat us. You know, Dale, Dale Jarrett and Mark Martin took us to the ropes. Like, we were, and then we had a little problem on pit road the last race. Remember that? I had to go to a backup car. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's like we came down. Jeff and I didn't have a good day as a driver crew chief um, that day at Atlanta. And it wasn't, it was just, it, it just was, we'd won the, the championship and 10 races and we just didn't feel good about it because we almost got beat again and we sat and talked about man why what is it why are we screwing up why just we got to figure out a way to if we're going to hammer these guys this bad all year long we got to put this championship away and i think all of us made a really concerted effort to just go in and just hammer down on everybody all year long and not even not let up 1998 turned into a storybook season. After finishing 16th in the Daytona 500, Gordon and Evernham bounced back to win the next race at Rockingham. Despite handling issues at Texas and a crash with Rusty Wallace at Richmond, Jeff Gordon assumed the top spot in the standings after a win at Sonoma and would keep the lead through the end of the season including one of the hottest stretches in NASCAR's modern era. But at the end of the back straightaway, the race leader, Jeff Gordon, all alone in his Chevrolet over in turn four. Jeff Gordon will come off the corner and win at one of the few remaining tracks on the Winston Cup circuit he has not yet visited victory lane at. Checkered flag in the air, a remarkable late laps rally for Jeff Gordon. He scores his fourth straight win on the NASCAR Winston Cup circuit by 1.8 seconds over Bobby Labonte. By the time the 24 team rolled into Darlington for the Southern 500, they seemed unstoppable. Jeff Gordon wins the Pepsi Southern 500 and the Winston the Noble $5 million bonus for the second time this season. He beats Jeff Burton to the checkers by 3.6 seconds after Burton dominated throughout the afternoon, leading 272 of the race's 367 laps. It'll be Dale Jarrett finishing third, Dale Earnhardt fourth, and Jeremy Mayfield fifth, rounding out the drivers that'll be eligible for the next million-dollar bonus round at Talladega. With a week to go in the season, Jeff Gordon wrapped up the 98 title. Jeff Gordon comes to the stripe and clinches the NASCAR Winston Cup Championship for 1998 in the finest style possible. He wins the AC Delco 400 by three car lengths over Dale Jarrett, taking the lead from Rusty Wallace with just eight laps to go in the event to claim his 12th win of the 1998 season. Another victory at the season finale in Atlanta put an exclamation point on the 1998 season. A modern era record 13 wins, 26 top five finishes, and 28 top 10 runs over 33 races. Evernham says some challenges along the way only serve to strengthen the team's resolve. We have a reputation of, of trailing off at the end, even though we can win a lot of races. And now we're going to finish this 15 round, and we're just going to keep, we're going to knock everybody to the ground. Not that you want to demoralize people. But at some point, 
you know, we, that was a little bit of a tough season for us. If you remember, Jeff and I had a little bit of argument at Charlotte, and we put Terry in the car and 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 wrecked, and you know, Rusty wrecked us at at Richmond, and we all about had a brawl there. And then we, you know, by the way, I did get and I love Rusty Wallace now. We're good friends, but but we have we have sorted that out. But we, it's, it, that's a, that's a story for another day. But uh, but the that actually motivated us. And then Jack Roush accused us of, of cheating, and then we were like, okay, and and Jack. And, and again, love him. He said, you know, you're either cheating or sandbagging. And I thought to myself, okay, you want to see how fast this car will go, how fast, how strong this team is. And that's when we just decided to win every single race. And I think, I think we might have won like seven out of the next nine. I look back. Sometimes I have to look at, at that record and think, gosh, was that real? You know, we, we were a little slow to get going in 93. And then 94, we won a couple of races. Uh, and... and you know, 95, we hit our stride. And from 95 to 98, I think we won about a third of the races mm-hmm. that, that, that NASCAR held. You took a lot of people's money. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it was good. And, and uh, Mr. Hendrick invested wisely yes, because he, he got did. a really nice uh, complex over there. But when I look at the 98 season and, and think we were able to tie the, you know, great Richard Petty and Dale Inman and that group for 13 wins in modern day. But, you know, 17 top fives in a row that year. And, and for that time, I think that that, that – To me, that's a pretty special record. Heading into 1999, expectations were so high that any blip or hiccup seemed extraordinary. Nothing like that was on the horizon for the great American race to open the season. Gordon holds low off four. Here's Earnhardt on the apron. Gordon moves low to block. They come to the tri-oval. Earnhardt will not be able to do anything with him. Jeff Gordon wins the Daytona 500 for a second time. A dramatic last corner charge by Dale Earnhardt. Gordon manages to fend him off. And now their cars brush together after the checkered flag headed down towards turn number one. It's Gordon who wins the Daytona 500. Tell you what, my friend, I've been coming here for a lot of years, seen all the Daytona 500s. That one's going to rank right up there as one of the best I have ever seen, and I'm sure there's not going to be a fan leave here this afternoon that will not share that same opinion. Jeff Gordon and Ray Evernham racked up two more wins over the first 12 weeks of the season, but they also had five finishes of 31st or worse. They swept both road course races, but never seemed to find the form of the past three years. A 40th place finish at Richmond seemed to epitomize the 1999 season. Problems for Jeff Gordon on pit road. A second time under this caution. Gives up third spot to do it. The car was up on the jack. He is coming back around the racetrack very slowly trying to catch up to the field. So Gordon in trouble as the pace car hits pit road and we go back racing. And Jeff Gordon's car turns into the garage. It does not go to the pit stall this time. He is heading to the garage. So Jeff Gordon a moment ago a contender to win here tonight. Now all of a sudden a candidate for the goodies headache award. He has gone into the garage area. We'll get an update there in just a moment. Let's check in the garage. And Jeff Gordon was certainly a contender to win tonight and Jeff uh, what happened uh, you know I, I lost first second and third gear all I have is fourth gear and on uh, when I came into pit there uh, I slipped the clutch leaving the pit road and then the clutch went out on so uh, no clutch and no gear is not a good sign they should be able to fix this uh, perhaps and try to get Jeff Gordon back out Again, as many points as they can. Unbelievable this year, the bad luck that Jeff has had. He had a couple of bulletproof years, so to speak, but not the case in 1999. Nothing seemed to click the way it had been. Gordon moved to Florida in the offseason. Evernham had begun to imagine his next challenge. One of those was a partnership between he and Jeff Gordon as Bush Series team owners at the end of 1998. Ah, it was his 
dumb. You know, like I would, that's, that's one of the things I look back and think that was a beginning of a road we shouldn't have gone down. I don't think we were fair to our team. I don't think we were fair to uh, Rick Hendrick. Uh, Pepsi was great with us, but there are other ways we could have could have done that. That was a distraction, and I think that should have been a telltale sign to me that it was I was looking to do something else. So um, I look back at that and think, you know, that's one thing I wish I'd have just went and talked to somebody and done some things differently. We had some success because, believe it or not, the last race that Jeff and I ever worked together was with that car, and we won it. So we can say, like, the last time that we ever worked together, we won. And that's a great feeling, but that, um, I think that that came with distract, was a distraction, and in my opinion, it, it hurt the performance of the 2014. Meanwhile, Dodge was looking to get back into NASCAR. Naturally, they eyed Evernham and Gordon, among others. They came to us in 98, and we were like, look, don't bother us. Don't, we don't, don't even, we're not even, Go away, you know. We're 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 right in the middle of this championship battle. We're winning races and, and whatnot. And uh, you know, as I said, '98 was the ultimate. And I think you know, a little bit of burnout, a little bit of this, and the Dodge people keep coming back. Um, Jeff was aware. He, he you know he 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 was involved in many of the the conversations um, about about different things. And uh, there were timing was starting to be right. You know, Jeff. Jeff was older now. He didn't need Ray Evernham the way that Ray Evernham was. There was, uh, you know, I was, man, we'd, we'd won everything and I wanted to win two or three times. I, I don't, I had never really set a goal of being a seven-time or eight-time champion. Never thought about that. I, I always wanted to move to a bigger spot. I had talked to Rick Hendricks several times about taking more responsibility in the, in, in the team there, but I, you know, as much as I thought I wanted to do that, I probably just I didn't really want to do that. And then, there, you know, again, as happens to every great rock band, you know, there's there's distractions, right? You got this guy's agent, and this guy's wife, and then that guy's wife, and this guy's wife, and there's money here, and and people start to feel separated or um, not getting enough credit, or you know, and, and all those things I think were happening with the whole team. You know, the pit crew was leaving to go over the Yates and you know there was an opportunity for me to just to figure out wow I can design a car from scratch which I love to design cars that's that's what I do I love to design cars you could start race teams you you could bring this thing back could I do it without Jeff Gordon and uh, from Jeff's side Jeff's like man I'm you know all this and you know Ray still People still think it's all Ray, and that's unfair to him. You know, it was really—I'll I'll stand up and tell you, like, hey, you know, like, if you—if I couldn't have been a championship crew chief with Jeff Gordon, I needed to be selling yogurt or something. So, you know, like, he deserved all that credit, and I don't think he was getting all the credit he deserved either. Um, and it was just—it was just time. It was still the most difficult decision that I ever made in my life, but. But I look back on it now, it was the right decision at that time. Hendrick had been considering some type of executive role for Evernham, but momentum had swelled for the crew chief to move on. And when you say Jeff revolutionized the sport, you got to say that Ray was one that, that made such a difference in the garage, from the pit crews to organizational charts and pulling people from different walks of life that were excellent in, in, in every category, and the way he structured and ran a team was totally different than anything I'd ever seen. 
and uh, but he helped build the foundation there and I figured that uh, you know that Terry had won championships Jeff had two and that we would be okay and uh, but it left a void by the season's 27th race at Dover the writing seemed to be on the wall. Jeff Gordon will start from seventh position here this afternoon. Although Jeff has won five times this year, it's not been their best season. He's dropped back to sixth in Winston Cup point standings, really needs to get the team back on track, so to speak. And on top of that, they've been the center of attention for the last couple of weeks. Uh, a lot of things going on around that race team to kind of put them in a turmoil, you might say. Let's get the straight scoop there from Winston Kelly. Well, with Jeff Gordon, with all the distractions that's been going on around his team the last couple of weeks, can you put them aside? and make it back to victory lane again here at Dover today? I certainly think so. The, the guys have been real uh, focused this weekend, and, uh, you know, we, we just come here to, to do our jobs, and that's uh, to win a race, and, and uh, we've got a really strong car, had a good qualifying effort, so, uh, you know, I feel good about our efforts so far this weekend. How's the car yesterday in practice? Oh, it's really good. You know, uh, right now it seems like the bottom's the place to be. This place is going to change so much throughout this day, and, and we got to be prepared for, for anything and everything that's thrown at us. And, and uh, you know, based on what we saw yesterday and what we've seen the past here, I feel really good. That's Jeff Gordon in the talk all around the garage area the last couple of weeks has been whether or not Ray Everham will stay with this team. That's something that will unfold later. But as you heard Jeff said, they think they can focus on the race today and be back in victory lane. Gordon finished a lackluster 17th. Two days later, Hendrick Motorsports announced that Everham was leaving. By the end of the week, he was gone. Brian Weitzel was named crew chief, and the 24 team won the next two races. And I always remind Jeff, because he busts my chops about that today, you know, we're still, he is like my brother, and he'll say, yeah, we won. I was like, yeah, well, cars I built, you didn't win any more after that, did you? And he's like, you know, screw you. So we, uh, but yeah, we kid about that, but that, but again, that should have shown the strength of that team. And I think that even though my feelings were hurt, because it, in some ways it slighted me, but in other ways it showed the team that it built, like the confidence that they had and the, that, that ability. Had you know, had I not left to go to Dodge, had I got run over by a bus and they did that, wouldn't that have been like the proudest moment of the thing that, that I could have ever thought of? Like this, this they got it. You know, and, and they went there and they did that. And I'm really, really proud of, of them. And, and there was never, you know, there were some hurt feelings with Jeff and Rick and I, but never any hard feelings. Jeff, that Martinsville race, he had every driver and all sign the helmet and he gave me the helmet. Because, I mean, it, deep down inside he knew that he'd accomplished that, something he needed to do, win a race without me. But I was still part of it, and, and it, uh, it meant a lot to me. I keep that in my trophy case. After seven years, three championships, and 47 race victories, one of the most potent driver-crew chief combinations NASCAR had ever seen was over. Despite the way it ended, Ray Everham looks back fondly on those dominant seasons with the 24 team. One of the things that I'm sure that, that, that I, I try and tell the guys is make sure when you get there that you savor that moment, enjoy it. Because we were on such a dead run, some of that became a blur, and you, you want to look back at it. I wish I would have stopped and, and appreciated it so much more, but it was always on to the next one. And now when I, I look and I think, wow, you know, the, you're right, it wasn't, it wasn't easy to win because you know the schedule certainly wasn't as full as it is now but we were racing some pretty tough tracks you know when you're doing you know Darlington twice a year and Rockingham twice a year in North Wilkesboro and places like that we had our run there, there's no doubt about it there, there was everybody gets a shot to get 
to, to get their time in the sport. And I'm, I'm proud of it because I feel like when we hit our stride in, in that period in the 90s, yeah, we were racing the guys that I really looked up to. And, and the Dale Earnhardt, and as you said, Rusty, we got to race with, with Davey Allison. You know, it, it, when you, people will look back at, at history even with Kawiki and people like that and say, wow, these were the greats of the sport, that was the time that we were really fortunate to be able to race with those guys. On the next episode of MRN Presents Jeff Gordon, the colorful career of the Rainbow Warrior. The 24 team turned the page on its most successful era to date, but could they rekindle the magic with different people steering the ship? Until then, I'm Brian Nelson. This program was a presentation of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina and Daytona Beach, Florida. Jeff Gordon, The Colorful Career of the Rainbow Warrior, was written and produced by Woody Kane. Any use of the accounts or descriptions contained within this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. season is here and Toyota Racing is looking for clashers. Did you clash at the Coliseum with your favorite Toyota drivers? Clashing with the HOA who won't let you carve bell number 20 into your lawn. Or maybe your Tyler Reddick shirt clashed with your pants while meeting the in-laws. If you're a clasher, then we want you. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing Inc.